Luke chapter 2, if you have your Bibles. Luke chapter 2, I want to minister a sermon I've entitled, Who God Invited to the Birth of His Son. And I was taken back by this. If you were in high school, if you've ever been in high school or in a setting with teenagers, such, who's invited and who's not to certain events can be so socially and politically and, you know, playground politics and all of that can be crazy. In Newport, Rhode Island, there's a series of mansions there. It used to be the city of the rich. There are a number of mansions. I think there are 10 of them today that you can tour. You can pay some money and you get to tour these mansions. They're such the size that one of them probably had a dining room about the size of this room that one day the roof flooded and the roof broke it. The room flooded and uh, uh, the servants actually skated in there. True story. And there was a woman who controlled the list of those who owned it. Uh, those who didn't, those who came, those who weren't. And she had her list of 400 people. And those kinds of people that traveled in their circles desperately wanted to be on that list. Now, I probably could have cared less. I've been in awkward situations with, and, but, but the point being, those who are invited and those who aren't are it says something. And when it comes to God, who he invited is very fascinating to the very birth of his son. And, and that also speaks volumes of those he didn't invite. And I want to consider with you those who were invited, because that's what God wants to do for many people is invite them to experience his son. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8, it says, that, that night there were shepherds staying in the field nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and a radiant glory uh, surrounded, the uh, radiant glory of the Lord surrounded them, and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth laying in a manger. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the army of heaven praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. And when the angel had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let us see the thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. They hurried into the village and found Mary and Joseph And there was the baby lying in the manger. 
After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just like the angel had told them. I want to consider first God's love for common people and God reaching out to broken people. The book of Luke, the gospel of Luke is a very interesting gospel. It has a number of different uh, uh, ways. It's written very differently than uh, the gospels of Matthew and Mark, which are all sister gospels uh, and all uh, have some very common languages and such. Uh, but Luke is not a Jew. He's a Gentile. He's the only Gentile author that we know about in the Bible. Now, Nebuchadnezzar wrote, made, he wrote one chapter of Daniel and there are some others. But as far as absolute authors, especially in the New Testament, he is the only Gentile. And as he writes, he writes a lot about Jesus's encounters with people. People like uh, Peter and how that is explained. Uh, people like Mary Magdalene, Zacchaeus, uh, and others that he has these encounters with uh, and are explained. But the first one he starts with is the shepherds. This is not mentioned in the Gospel of Matthew, the other recording of the Christmas story. The shepherds were, these were looked down upon. These were, of course, third shift workers, it says in our text, that night. And many times we can think about, you know, even today, you know, third shift is not desired. It's not the ideal shift that most people want. Now, some people love the night. Now, if you, that's you, God bless you. I, you know, but you know, the reality is, is often that's the least desired shift. Nights and weekends, if you're starting in places like uh, in nursing or in the police department, uh, many times that's what you're going to get is nights and weekends. Because everybody else wants the nine to fivers kind of thing. And so in that, these were just simple, common people. They weren't the high flyers of society. They weren't the special people. They weren't the elite. They probably weren't even the most educated. They definitely were not the richest. And God reaches out to them and invites them. One commentary, Barclays Daily commentary marks this. He says, it is a wonderful thing that in our story should tell of the first announcement of God's came to some shepherds, shepherds that were uh, despised by the Orthodox, good people of the day. They were quite unable to keep all the details of the ceremonial laws. They could not observe all the hand washings and rules and regulations. The flocks made it too inconvenient on the demands on them. So the Orthodox looked down upon them. It was simple men of the field that God's message came to first. These were not even religious uh, in that sense, but they were there and God's angel doesn't go to the rich. And we're going to look at this in just, a, you know, the rich and famous. 
You know, there aren't too many television, you know, there used to be a show, television show called Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. I don't think they ever decided to make a television show of the poor and unknown. Right? But most people probably live more in that realm. The angels came to these people because they were real. God could speak a message. Pastor Mitchell pointed out when I did the tour to Israel back, gosh, it was 1997, I think it was. And he said, God must love common people. This, this, he pointed out at the shepherd's field as we were looking over in Bethlehem, he said, God loves common people. Another man said, God must love common people. He sure made a lot of them. James 2, 5, listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? Now, this is not the sense of poor in the sense of bank account. Like the more spiritual you are, the less money you have. That is not what James is saying. Because he's talking about people who could realize in their hearts that they're poor. Some of the most poorest people I've ever met have large bank accounts. But they are not satisfied or happy or have any ability to understand life the way God intended it. God is not after, and often it's not the most talented and the most gifted that respond. And in the Christmas story, we see that very understanding. God announces it to shepherds. You know, when the wise men, and when we started a series, we were looking at some of the characters around Christmas. We started this a couple of weeks ago. Sunday nights, this will be my last one. Talked about the wise men. And how the wise men show up in Jerusalem. This is where the high priest was. This is where the king was. This would have been the city of the movers and shakers of the day. They had the prophecy. Micah 5, 2, O Bethlehem, you're the smallest village among Judah, but yet a ruler of Israel, of whose origins are in the distant past, will come from you on my behalf. The prophecy of that the Messiah would come from Bethlehem was very clear. And even as the wise men showed up, they were amazed. Bible says they were all in fear. They hear this message, right? It's not the religious that knew about Jesus's birth. It wasn't the rich and the wealthy. It wasn't the King Herod. It was some third shift Shepherds that God speaks to. 1 Corinthians 2.8, But if the rulers of this world had not understood it, if they, uh, but the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. They didn't get it. The religious of the day, they're the ones who wanted to crucify Jesus. The rich and the power, they missed it. God looks for simple people who will believe the simplicity of Jesus. 
The angel says in verses 11 and 12, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, is born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. You will recognize him when you find him, a baby wrapped in snug strips of cloth lying in a manger. I was reading about the announcement and the way they announce when a baby is born into the royal family in England. They still hold this tradition, how that on the steps of, uh, I, I believe it's the Buckingham Palace, uh, the the crier will come and he'll dress up like he's in, you know, from the 1500s or something uh, with the big hat and the frilly things and all that. And he'll announce that today, this day, on da-da-da-da day, I can't, you know, a new prince is born and the people will cheer and all that. That's not how Jesus was born. It wasn't with pomp and circumstances. Jesus didn't invite the big religious. He invited the people who would simply believe. 1 Corinthians 23 and 23 and 24 says, So we preach Christ was crucified. To the Jews, to the Jews are an offend, are offended. And the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. But to those whom God has called to salvation, both Jew and Gentile, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. The Jews in that represent the religious. People who have enough. Do you know, you know, you know, uh, uh, vaccines became quite a hot topic issue, uh, recently political and all that. And, you know, but you know what a vaccine is? It's giving you a little bit of the virus, often dead, but a little bit of the virus so that your body can build up an immunity. You know what religion is? Religion is getting a little bit of the gospel so your spirit can build up an immunity. You can fight off the conviction. When God puts his finger on your heart and says, you're not right with me. Yeah, We'll point back to our religious. I was baptized as a baby. I went, I did my first communion or my confirmation. I, you know, I prayed when I was six years old. So once saved, always saved. We, we have enough that we can fight it off. Just like a vaccine is supposed to do. The Greeks say it's all nonsense. This is the world. The Greeks controlled the world. They were the, they, they were the upper crust, the elites, the, you know, the, uh, they say it's foolishness. The simplicity of the gospel to the religious, it's based on what I do. Don't tell me that. It's based on me and all the goodness that I've done. To the Greeks, just believing is too simple. But God isn't looking for them. He's looking for shepherds. He's looking for people who will simply respond. You know, the angel comes. That's got to be weird. I personally do not know that I have ever seen an angel. Now, Hebrews 13.4 says, We can entertain angels unaware. And there's a couple of times where I scratch my head and go, "Mm, I wonder, but that's all I can do. It's just wonder, right? It's biblical angels. 
Before you think I'm gone nuts, angels are from Genesis to Revelation. They're biblical. They show up in Acts. They show up in our Gospels. They show up in Exodus. They show up in Genesis. They show up in all the Bible. There are times where Isaiah and Ezekiel see angels. Uh, Jesus was ministered to by angels. There's all sorts of times angels come. And I'm not saying we're going to get tripped off on angels. You don't command angels. You don't worship angels. They're there. God takes care of that. It's not my business. But that being all said, if I saw an angel that I knew was an angel, that'd freak me out. That'd be like, wow. These guys see angels. An angel talks to them. Their response is, I got to find out for myself. Let's go to Bethlehem to see if this is true. You know, I'm amazed in our day with so many, so much access to the Bible. We've got the Bible in 17 different translations. You can find one that will match your reading ability. You don't have to, well, I don't understand the these and thous. Well, you know what? There's 16 other versions you can find that don't have the these and thous in it. There's some, I get it, they're pretty watered down and there's some others, you know, I, I get all that. He, Acts 17, 11, and the people of Bera were more open-minded to, than those in Thessalonica, for they listened eagerly to Paul's messages and searched the scriptures day after day, to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. You know, there's something about checking it out, wanting to see, wanting to know. What is truth? As Pilate asked, well, you know what? You have a responsibility to find out. These these shepherds see, and they're like, we've got to make sure this is ours. Because it's one thing to hear about. It's another thing to experience. A lot of people have heard about Jesus. A lot of people know about Jesus. They'll, can be religious tomorrow. Some will even, you know, tell, you know, virtue, whatever. But the truth has to be sought. You have to give yourself to find out what is true. John says, test, first John 4, test the spirits. Test, see, is it true? Is the Bible true? Prophecies, are we heading somewhere? The second thing is you can tell someone really got it because they told others. Verse 17, after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. You know, when you get saved, you want to tell others. It's natural. You want to witness. You want to share your faith. I remember getting saved. I got saved shortly after I, I, I got saved in July. And I used to, I spent many years out at a camp. Uh, my father did a lot of work there. They actually named and dedicated the dining hall after him. And, uh, it was the first place I ever played a concert was in that dining hall that was to the public at least anyway. And so, uh, and, uh, you know, I went back to that camp and I started just telling people I was only saved about two weeks. 
just sharing with them what had happened in my life. And I couldn't even put, I couldn't quote gospel. I couldn't quote John 3.16. I didn't even know what John 3.16 was. I've shared with you before, when people would hold it up at a baseball game, I thought it was a batting average. I really did. 3.16 is not a bad batting average, by the way. I had no idea what it was. But I did tell people what had happened to me. How I was born again. The woman at the well, John 4. The woman left her jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming out of the village to see him. It's a natural flow of having an experience with God. To want to tell others, this is what happened to me. They gave God praise. Verse 20, the shepherds went back to the flock, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard. It was just as the angel told them. You know, a natural flow of having an experience with God is you're going to want to give him praise. You know, I was thinking about this as we were even singing these Christmas carols, these songs that, you know, they they used to be played everywhere, but now, of course, it's all Santa and Jingle Bells and all I want for Christmas is you, baby, and all of this kind of stuff. But how there's still an anointing that even when sinners sing it, there's something about these songs that are powerful. A flow to praise God. Peter said that we're a royal generation, a chosen, a royal priesthood, a chosen generation, a holy nation, a God's special people that we should proclaim his praises of him who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. First Peter 2 9. An encounter with Jesus should cause you to want to praise him. Now think about these shepherds. Because when Jesus comes on the scene, it's not like they predicted. They thought he would come in glory and splendor and they would be the first to know. But God reaches out to these shepherds. Simple people. Just common people. They were not religious. They were not special, famous, overly talented, anything like that. God said, this is the people who I can bring my message to. Now, that's not to say if you're rich or you're famous that you can't get saved. Hulk Hogan just got baptized. Took him 80 years or 79 years to get his heart right, but he did. Thank God. Pretty amazing, but God's reaching out to you. You might not be religious. They weren't religious. You might not have it all together. They didn't have it all together. But they were willing to believe. The angel says to them in verse 10, Don't be afraid. I bring you good tidings of great joy will be to all people. They simply believe that, you know what? God wants to touch and save us. 
Three things the angel says to them that born to you is the Messiah, the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord. Jesus has to be all three. What is what is this? Well, you need a Savior. That means you need to be saved. Why would you need to be saved? Because you're in danger for your life. Right? If you were saved from a burning car, for instance, you'd be pulled out before the flames consumed you. If you were saved by someone donating blood of a transfusion, it means you would have died had you not received that medical procedure. That saving means you're in danger. God looks at your sin and says, you're in danger. You're in danger because of your sin. We need saving from that. Second, he says, a Messiah. This literally translated is anointed one or one that is sent from God. It is also the word that we get Christ from. This has to do with anointing. This has to do with who Jesus is, his status, his title. He is the one who can actually do the saving. And finally, and most importantly, the Lord. He's the Lord of the universe. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. This is who he is. He wants to be Lord of your life. My wife would tell me that while she was backslidden, she really liked the idea of a savior because she knew she had done some things that I can't talk about because her parents are here. But anyway, she had, she was a sinner. She's like, ah, there's certain things I can't talk about now because they're here. But anyway, kidding, not kidding. Anyway, but the reality is she didn't want a Lord. She wanted to control her life, her destiny, her purpose. And then God thankfully said, you've got to get your heart right. This is why the angel says, don't be afraid. This is good for you. This is what you need. You need rescuing. You need the one who's anointed to do that. And you need someone who is Lord to help you. The Pharisees wouldn't believe this. King Herod wouldn't believe this. It was too beneath them. They were nose in the air towards Jesus. Jesus tells a man, Zacchaeus, one of these in Luke that he has in a Counter with who is an outcast, a tax collector, a, betray, a traitor to his nation and very lost from religion. And the day he says, today salvation has come to your house because he is also a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save that which is lost. Book of Luke, prostitutes, sinners. Demon-possessed people, they're the ones who come to Jesus. 
The religious snub their nose. He wants to touch and help people. Jesus is inviting people to come to him. He's inviting the religion. He's inviting, but they're not listening. I close with a parable that Jesus tells, and I'm going to put it in a modern day setting. He says, a king has his son going to be married. And he says, you know what? I'm going to invite people and to come to this and they're going to come and, and we're going to rejoice together. And he goes and sends his messengers out to invite people. And the, the Bible tells us that one comes back and says, you know what? I'd love to come, but my career, you don't understand my career, my business, get in the way be a real problem if I came. You know what? Sorry. Thanks, but no thanks. I'm good. The second one comes back and says, you know what? I went out and invited, but someone said, you know what? They've got responsibilities. They've got a house. They've got a car. They've got issues and, and, and they can't come to you because you know what? They've got responsibilities of life, man. My life is busy, man. Don't you know? Life is busy. The third one comes back and says, you know what? The dude just got married. He says, family responsibilities, can't do it. I mean, we got to have family time. I mean, you know, you know what most people consider family time? Watching television. But we did it together. I can't come. You know what the king says? They'll never come. Go out to the highways and the byways. Get the blind and the lame and the poor. Bring them into my house that my house will be full. God says, I'm looking for the simple people. You use those excuses. I'd love to get saved, but you know, family responsibilities. I'd love to get, I got other responsibilities. Don't you know? My business, my job, my career, my family, my... Do you really think that would fly before God? The creator of the universe? Lord, I would have loved to have been a Christian, but don't you know, there were bills to pay. Like you, somehow the the excuse is, if I become a Christian, I won't pay my bills? But that's what they did. The hope for the world is Jesus Christ. God reached out to these simple people and said, come. Come. Soon as you think you're too good to come, he'll say fine. And those were the ones who missed it. But the shepherds, they got it. They're the ones who understood. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. For just a moment of time, every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to first give an opportunity to those who don't know Jesus Christ as a personal Lord and Savior. Jesus is reaching out. He loves you. He cares about you. He looks 
And like I said, the Gospel of Luke, he's reaching out to people that were not perfect. They were not religious. They were all sorts of flaws, problems. A lot of them were, you know, in modern vernacular, they had issues. And yet Jesus reaches out to them and saves them. He reached out to the religious, but they wouldn't respond. Some of them did, but most of them did not. He reached out to anyone and everyone he invites. But God in heaven, the first one he invites... Not the upper crust. Not the elite. He reaches out to the simple. To those who would simply respond and say, you know what? I need a Lord. I need a Savior. I need a Messiah. I need a Christ. And their response changed the whole trajectory of their lives. Just like you and I can experience that today. Jesus Christ can touch your life and change your future by you acknowledging who Jesus is. And if you're here tonight, you're not right with God. You're not saved. You're not a Christian. God would be is God is reaching out to you and inviting you. Would you come? If that's you tonight, you're not right with God. I wonder if you'd slip up your hand. Say, pray for me. I'm not right with God. I'm not saved. I'm not a Christian. I haven't. Jesus is not my Lord, my Savior, and my Messiah, but I need him to be. Slip up your hand very quickly. Pray for me. Changing the call then to backsliders. You knew him at one time, but maybe... You didn't want him to be Lord. Savior's okay. Messiah, that's kind of what he is. But Lord, he's reaching out to you. Changing the call to Christians. It's not that God is saying, don't take away this and say, oh, well, it's just the poor and we need to be poor. That's not what the issue is but we can let those that being religious being self-sufficient get in the way of our acknowledgement that we need God that we need to respond to Jesus that God looked from heaven and he saw these people he said they'll respond the religious the leaders of today, the day even when the wise men came in who were wealthy, who were often as believed as kings, when they came in with their procession, they gave Jesus gifts and all of that. You know, I understand. We've looked at that. But he reaches out to also those who are broken, those who are not perfect in a religious sense. And that we need to keep ourselves needing that. Because if we grow too big for that, we can go through the religious motions and miss 
who Jesus truly is. Let's all stand. These altars are open. We'll allow people to find a place to pray. We're going to sing a song, worship his name. Of the King, in glory and majesty, let all the earth rejoice, and all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light, in darkness tries. our God. Sing with me. Yeah.